What's going on, everybody, and welcome to Bet to Win on a fine Monday morning. I'm your host, Joe Fan, riding solo from here on out. Claudia Bellafato off to greener pastures. Uh, again, a huge congratulations to her for getting uh, what she called a dream job, heading back home to Boston. I can't divulge exactly when and where she will be going and when she will begin, but uh, follow her on Twitter um, for all of her updates. We wish her well, and we will for sure have her back on the show at some point to talk baseball, talk hockey, talk whatever we want to talk about, just to catch up with our friend Claudia. But we roll on here on Bet to Win. The show won't change a whole lot. We've still got headlines. We're going to have guests on every show this week. Or sorry, this episode, we've got Jared Smith from Pickwise, their lead betting analyst, a guy who I have a ton of respect for. I haven't gotten in this space. Jared is one of my favorite follows on Twitter, and I look forward to chatting with him about the first two rounds of March Madness. And the madness, indeed, it lived up to expectations. We'll get into my victory laps and the L's I need to hold. Unfortunately, I have more L's than W's here on this Monday. My winning pick last week, I, I shot for the stars with a lottery ticket. A round robin on three underdogs I liked a whole lot. To my credit, all three covered. Chattanooga, Colgate, and Vermont, none of them won outright. I did bet them against the spread, so at least uh, I sort of broke even on those three teams. But it was a fun ticket to hold because all three of those teams had chances to win late in the game. Vermont and Colgate melted down the stretch. Chattanooga should have beaten Illinois. Um, the mocks heartbreak at the end. The buzzer beater was no good. Um, but just the the failure to execute, I think that was a theme. When you look at the first round of this tournament, I wanted to believe, and I did believe in so many mid-majors, most of which let me down because as much as they can hang around for those first 35 minutes, the inability to execute down the stretch, you can just, the butts get tight. You feel that the moment's a little bit too big for them. And, and, and often the blue bloods are the ones that come through, except for the peacocks of St. Peter's and, Looking forward to talking about the 15 seed who has beaten uh, Kentucky uh, in overtime and really handled Murray State over the weekend on Saturday. Um, all things March Madness coming ahead with Jared Smith. Sunday, I did bounce back a bit. I had Villanova, Houston, New Mexico State, and TCU against the spread, as well as an Ohio State, sorry, no, Ohio State, Iowa State money line against Wisconsin. So a little bit of a bounce back for your boy. Overall, kind of a break-even weekend for me, a small loss, especially when you consider the emo hedge I had to put down on my Gonzaga Bulldogs, who fought like hell, drew Timmy, Andrew Nemhard carrying Gonzaga to a win on Saturday evening. Um, that was a game I was stressed about, obviously, as a Gonzaga fan. Uh, I was going to will them as best I could against Memphis. I just had shades of that Baylor uh, national championship that all came back to me, a team that was more physical uh, more athletic, and really bullied Gonzaga for the entire first half with them being down 10. Um, and for much of the second half, for Gonzaga went on that run. Credit to Drew Timmy for being an absolute stud there. And I will continue to emo hedge throughout the rest of the tournament until Gonzaga either wins the national championship or is bounced. They have Arkansas next. Here's who's left. Sweet 16 by conference. The Big 12 has three teams with Kansas, Texas Tech, and Iowa State. ACC also with a trio of teams left. Duke, North Carolina, Miami. The Pac-12 has UCLA and Arizona left standing. The Big East with Providence and Villanova. The Big Ten, I faded the Big Ten. It worked in some instances, but more often than not, uh, the Big Ten handed me several L's. Michigan and Purdue. I didn't even think Michigan was supposed to be in the tournament. I don't think they deserve. 17-win team that got bounced in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. They didn't deserve to be here. I'm still bitter about it. But they are still standing in the Sweet 16, as is Purdue. 
The SEC, a brutal weekend for the SEC. Arkansas, the only team left in the field. Out of the American Athletic Conference, Houston, in my opinion, for my money, the best team in the tournament uh, so far through two games. I thought their blowout win of UAB was one of the most impressive games of the first round. UAB gave them everything they could handle. The game kind of hung around 11 points, and Houston just wouldn't allow UAB to go on a run. I, th- I watched that game and was like, Houston is an absolute wagon, and they showed it uh, again in the second round, dominating Illinois um, down the stretch. Uh, then out of the Western Conference or West Coast Conference, Gonzaga, and then the Metro Atlantic, St. Peter's still in the dance. We'll get to Jared Smith here in a moment, but first, we've got headlines. Uh, and I've got some thoughts today. I got some, your boys got some opinions. Let's start with Deshaun Watson, who is now a Cleveland Brown after a big trade. Um, a team that he was had supposedly ruled out. And it was this stunning change of heart. Not so stunning when you see the details of the contract he signed. Um, we'll get to that. The Texans received uh, Cleveland's first round pick in 2022. Uh, that's going to be the 13th overall pick as well as their, thir- as well as their first rounder in 2023 in 2024. Uh, the Browns gave Watson a brand new five-year contract worth $230 million fully guaranteed. Cha-ching. Uh, Cleveland said they did extensive research on the civil lawsuits uh, by 22 women. Uh, no inf- info was divulged. No specifics were given out. It was just this big word vomit of a statement that basically said nothing. It really ultimately just came down to, hey, we're trying to win football games. Deshaun Watson's really good. And if he's going to be allowed to play football, we want him to play football for us. Um, that statement is just gross. Um, just say you want to win, right? If you look at the Super Bowl odds, the Browns were 35 to 1 prior to the deal. Now they are 15 to 1. Baker Mayfield wants out. The Browns have said they are not going to acquiesce. Those trade demands, which makes sense when you consider a potential suspension still coming down the line for Deshaun Watson. Here's my issue. I have a lot of issues here. Um, It all feels just sort of gross to me. And I think the best way I can summarize my thoughts on this is you can still be a creep even if you're not a criminal. Because none of this adds up. Yes, the, the judicial process has weighed in. He is not going to be criminally charged. But that doesn't mean he's innocent. Or didn't do anything wrong in this scenario. And I understand the gray area of he said, she said type situations. But this is he said versus she said versus she said versus she said versus she said times 22. So the way this is being sold, uh, Deshaun Watson's agent tweets out immediately once the verdict comes through. Keep that same energy. That's a little bit aggressive. Deshaun Watson, thanks God, all things are possible when you have faith in God. And I, this is not an anti-religious take here. I am religious myself. But when you use religion as a way to get in the way of looking in the mirror and being accountable, that's where I have an issue. And the way this is being sold and the way the Browns are selling this with their statement is that there was zero wrongdoing on the part of Deshaun Watson's. And I just don't get that. There's way too much smoke here for there to be no fire. 22 women. Who has 22 different 
massage therapist. I mean, Deshaun Watson sliding into their DMs, flying them in from out of state. These women don't know each other by and large. So yes, maybe they all came together to try to take this man down. And I hope at some point we get to hear an unfiltered version of Deshaun Watson's side of the story. My guess is we won't, and he will hide behind the, hey, that's all stuff for the court documents and this and that. We can't talk about that. And here is the kicker. If we're all supposed to believe that Deshaun Watson has done no wrong, why did the Cleveland Browns agree to make his 2022 salary $1 million? Deshaun Watson's base salary in 2022 is $1 million because just in case he does get suspended by the NFL, his suspension will come out of that money. That means all $230 million fully guaranteed are protected. So maybe it's not all that stunning that Deshaun Watson said, you know what? I actually will consider Cleveland. But if we're supposed to believe that he did no wrong here, why would he have that sort of insurance policy built into his contract? What would he get suspended for? Bingo! I don't like it. And all the people, when I expressed these views on Twitter as well, and many people came back at me and said, the court cleared of any wrongdoing. There's no charges. So who are you to say this man doesn't deserve to work? I'm not saying he doesn't deserve to work. I'm saying I understand why Browns fans, many of them, are trying to process this and saying, I don't really feel good about that. I don't feel good about this guy being on my team. I don't know enough yet. And I think that's justified. Headline number two is the NFL doesn't let anyone else take the headline of the limelights, even during March Madness. It never sleeps. The headline machine continues to churn year-round. Devontae Adams in a blockbuster trade that I don't think anybody expected being traded from the Packers to the Las Vegas Raiders. The Packers receive the Raiders' first-round pick, 22 overall, and their second-rounder, number 53 overall. The Raiders gave Devontae Adams a brand-new five-year deal worth $141 million, the richest wide receiver contract in NFL history, very well-deserved. He is the best receiver in football for my money. Uh, the Raiders' Super Bowl odds before the trade were 50-1. to They're now 40-1. to The Packers uh, dipped from 8-1 to to 12-1. to well, we know they're going to take a wide receiver finally in the first round. That should have happened years ago. But it is shocking that this is what happened. Because throughout all the drama last year with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, it always felt like he and Devontae Adams were arm in arm. They were the cryptic social media posts. And I mean, those two guys are Hall of Famers largely due to each other's presence. And so it's shocking to me that when it came out, the Packers were willing to give him the exact same contract. He said, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. I'd rather go kick it with my college quarterback, Derek Carr, in Vegas and bounce. Surely something had to have happened with Aaron Rodgers. And I hope that question gets asked in Devontae Adams' opening or introductory press conference whenever that happens. Hey, Devontae, it came out that you were offered the same money from Green Bay, but you chose this as your next destination. Why? What happened? Beyond that, the takeaway is the AFC West arms race is ridiculous. We obviously know what's in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. They add Juju Smith-Schuster as well. 
But the Broncos adding Russell Wilson, the Raiders adding Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams, the Chargers adding J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, unquestionably the best division in football. And it's going to be great theater. My guess is every AFC West matchup is going to be a primetime game in 2022. But shocking to me that Devontae Adams bounced on Aaron Rodgers to reunite with Derek Carr. Huge move here in Sin City. Uh, finally, our last headline is prized LB free agent Carlos Correa signing a shocker of a three-year, $105 million contract with who? Surely it was the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers because the Dodgers signed everybody. The Minnesota Twins. He had 279 with 26 bombs and 92 RBIs to 7.2 war in 2021. His $35 million a year makes him the fourth highest paid MLB player in baseball behind Scherzer, Garrett Cole, and Mike Trout. Uh, the Twins have been busy. They acquired Sonny Gray. Also, Gio Urshel and Gary Sanchez in the trade, sending Josh Donaldson to the Yankees. Uh, the Twins opened at 75-1 to 1 following last year's World Series to win the 2022 World Series. Uh, those odds have now dipped all the way to 40 to 1 and 20 to 1 to win the AL pennant. This one absolutely baffles me. This is a superstar player in his prime at age 27. And I know the opt outs are there, so he might be gone after year one. He balls out and says, I'm going to go get paid more than $35 million a year. Regardless, the fact that this was a modest price tag on just three years, I get not wanting to give. 30-year-old Chris Bryant, a seven-year deal. I understand being wary of the decade-long contracts to where you know you hope to get market value for the first four, five, maybe even six. But you know when you pay Albert Pujols a 10-year contract, those last three, four years are going to be painful and expensive. But you're not paying for that. You're paying to win in the first half of the contract. And that's just the price of playing poker to get that guy on your roster. To pay a three-year deal for a superstar that impacts your World Series odds in the manner in which this did for the Twins with Carlos Correa, I don't understand. Pay him three years, $150 million. Whatever the value is that you can pay that keeps you under the luxury tax, you owe it to your team and your fans to do so. The playoffs have expanded to 12 teams. All you need is to punch your ticket. No more one-and-done wildcard games. So even if you feel like signing him, you're a year ahead and you're sort of trying to accelerate, punch your ticket. And even if you think your stay is going to be pretty quick, you're going to, hey, I'm here for one drink, one dance, listen to Journey, Don't Stop Believing, sing along, and I'm out of here. Who knows? Next thing you know, maybe you're there till 3 a.m. spraying champagne on all your friends. It doesn't make sense to me. 21 teams could have added Carlos Correa's contract without going into the luxury tax. My Mariners included. The biggest shame of the new CBA is the fact that there's no salary floor. There aren't enough teams actively trying to win. The Pirates are $177 million short of the luxury tax. My Mariners are $110 million short. And they have hopes of competing for a playoff spot this year, ending a damn near two-decade drought. You just can't argue. There's not a, an argument to be made that your team didn't need Carlos Correa. And if you want to start going down the, well, that spot's filled or we have a prospect coming up on the horizon. We don't want to block him. Figure it out. Pay the money. Bring him on board. And then just make it work. Because when we talk about revenue, 
if you're winning games, if you're selling jerseys, if you've got butts in seats to see this guy play, the contract pays for itself. And maybe I'm underthinking this. I've got to be because otherwise, this just doesn't make any sense. But maybe I'm not. And maybe we don't have to give the benefit of the doubt to owners and GMs that haven't earned it. That's my take on Carlos Correa. Let's switch back to March Madness and bring in my guy, Jared Smith. This, the, I've been in the betting space for a little over six months now since I moved to Vegas. And when I covered the NFL as a beat writer, you're sort of ingrained and you know who all the different beats around the league are and you see them at the combine and you start to build this network. Well, I'm starting to build a sports betting network as well in terms of people I know and respect. And Jared Smith's the very top of the list. He's the lead betting analyst for PickWise, number one home for free sports betting picks. You can follow him on Twitter at Jared Lee Smith. And I love this guy. Informative, doesn't take himself too seriously, has helped me learn a ton. So I'm pumped to have him here on the show uh, to talk March Madness. Jared, thank you so much for your time, man. How are we doing today? Oh, I'm doing good, Joe. It's been a long weekend. Now we're kind of at the point where we can take a breath, which is nice, maybe three or four or five breaths. Um, but it, it, it was a fun week. You know, I, I think doing what we do, you'd be, you'd be silly not to get caught up in it emotionally, but, but you need to know when you've reached your limit. And I think after Sunday night, especially that Arizona TCU game, the last game of the day, last game of the round of 32 was just bonkers. Uh, now we get to kind of, you know, recharge the batteries for a few days before we get into the Sweet 16. It, it truly is an exhausting four days because it's, it's nonstop sweating, whatever your pick was, or you felt good about this one. Wait, all of a sudden, what do you mean Colorado State blew their 15-point lead? You know, what do you mean this team that I had so much confidence in is already down 30? You know, and then you go and you, you start looking at live bets and, okay, where can I get value on a second half line? And it rolls right into the next one constantly. And so there were times at the weekend, I was like, I'm just going to go hit some golf balls and like whatever happens, happens. I don't need to watch every second of this, especially when so many of these first halves end up being so irrelevant that you're like, why do I need to watch the first 35 minutes of this game when the last five are going to be, you know, so emotionally draining? Uh, I can just stick with that. Let's let's get through these first two rounds. Jared, what was just, I want to just give you the ball and say, what are your overarching takeaways um, in terms of how will you remember the, the first two rounds of the 2022 uh, NCAA tournament? Um, definitely tilting at times. And I think you made a good point about not getting too wrapped up in the first halves. We talked to bookmakers and I, I asked them, Hey, you know, this line shaded a little bit. Let's say a team is, you know, favored by six, um, for the game, but the first half is only two and a half or three. Well, Hey, maybe you're getting a little bit of value on the first half. You're right. The first halves from what I asked, you know, some of the pros that do this, um, they're, I don't want to say scam bets, but I think you're better off just betting the full game. So that's my first takeaway is you're right. The first halves tend to be this feeling out period where one team goes on a run and then the other team maybe starts to scheme out uh, a counter. And then really it's the second half where you get the full, the full money of, of, of the value of that game in terms of overarching themes from the tournament, man, the conferences really surprised me. And I think going in, we were all in agreement that the ACC was, was, was bad. Um, well, we're wrong about that. Eight and two against the number so far in the ACC. Same thing with the SEC. SEC good, right? All these great teams, Kentucky, Arkansas, all these teams that we think are going to make runs. Well, Arkansas is in the Sweet 16, but they haven't covered yet. Um, same to be said about Kentucky. They're not in the Sweet 16, obviously. They're out of the first round. Tennessee, they get bounced early. So some of the conference um, you know, opinions that we had going into the tournament, I think certainly have changed. 
And I was really disappointed, I think, especially on Saturday and Sunday by, and I, I hate arguing or complaining about the refs, but man, there's too many whistles in these games. And maybe the, the, the response is in the tournament or, or maybe, you know, we try it out next year. Maybe give these guys an extra foul, six foul for a foul out. Maybe we push back the free throw limits to 10 instead of seven fouls. You get one and ones. Maybe we make it 10 because I, I mean, Purdue and Texas last night, uh, Purdue was in the double bonus, like 12 minutes left. The game isn't fun at that point. Every whistle, the game slows, people get free throws. So I, I think I'd like to see a little bit more action in, in or a little less whistle. And I'd like to maybe reassess my conference opinions a little bit because I think they were wrong heading into the tournament. Yeah, well, let's give you the opportunity to say where you were right and where you're wrong, starting with the positive. I think I didn't have many, many wins. And I felt like, oh, I nailed this completely. But I was on the train of Wisconsin being a fraudulent team going in. I bet them, uh, I bet Colgate against the spread and money line would have loved to see Colgate pull through. They did still cover for me. Um, but I just, there was no way a team offensively that ranks 276th in effective field goal percentage is worthy of a three seed and is, is legit of making a deep run in the tournament. They do end up losing outright. I had an Iowa state money line ticket on Sunday. Um, and I felt vindicated in that. Where were you? Where do you feel like I nailed this part of the bracket or the tournament so far? I, I think I got right um, the Gonzaga Memphis game. I, I think I think a lot. I mean, that spread was wrong. I, I think maybe there were some there were some universes, some alternate realities we live in where Memphis pulled that game out. Um, I, I do think the Memphis, you know, seed line was a little bit undervalued there, and I, I got some sharp info right before the tournament from a, a bookmaker that I trust that. Memphis is going to be live. Um, and, and they were, I, I, I was very happy with how that game turned out. I think I was wrong about St. Mary's. I, I really thought their defense was going to do a better job against UCLA uh, in that game, but you give credit to UCLA. Um, I, I think from what we're looking at the early splits, UNC is going to be a public dog this week. So I, I, I would look to UCLA who was the runner up last year um, to make another run, maybe to the final four. Now that that brackets opened up with Baylor, um, being knocked out as the one and Kentucky is the two. So, so that bracket certainly in the bottom, I think it's the East, the bottom left quadrant. That bracket, I think, is for UCLA's taking right now. Um, in the top right of the bracket, um, I, I think Arizona's legit, but man, Houston is really good. And I, I was wrong about the Illinois, uh, you know, game yesterday. I, I thought Illinois would, would do a better job controlling Houston's bigs. And what I was wrong about was the backcourt of Houston, especially Shed, who had an incredible game. He looked—he looks like one of the best players in the tournament right now, uh, just with the way that he can control the game. And that line is fascinating. Arizona opened up basically as a pick em. I think I saw minus one, and we immediately saw Arizona get bet up to two. I think if we wait, we'll get Houston at three-ish come Thursday night. That's a play for me. And then when you look at Duke and Texas Tech, that's another interesting uh, game. I think that also is uh, one of those games that might flip throughout the course of the week. I think Texas Tech open as a slight favorite, but I could see uh, the Dukies closing there. I I'm curious to see if we get a lot of public money on Duke this week because they haven't really looked great. I know they covered against Michigan State, but I'll be honest, that they didn't really deserve to cover that game. And prior to that, they were 0-5 against the number heading into that game against Sparty. So I think I lean Texas Tech. I think I lean Houston early in the Sweet 16, just because of what I've seen defensively from those two teams. And another interesting spot's Miami. Nobody predicted them in the Sweet 16 for sure. So that's another interesting team that doesn't turn it over a lot. 
experienced coach with Larinaga. I, I can see Miami making some noise. Uh, we've already seen some line movement in the Hurricanes' direction early on. Yeah, Miami's a team that's made me a good amount of money this year. I feel like I continue to bet on mm. them, and they continue to cover. And I had them against USC, and I had them to cover um, on Sunday against Auburn. Um, my biggest sins, my biggest sin was believing in the Mountain West. And the San Diego State mm. game is just the, the cherry on top of that shit Sunday of a weekend for the Mountain <laughs> West. Was I'm still sick about it. And why it started with Wyoming, and it was Boise State, then Colorado State, and their complete melt against Michigan, who I still am bitter about because they shouldn't even be in the dang tournament if it was up to me. Uh, and then San Diego State, that choke job against Creighton. Um, them not covering fine, not winning and losing, and then I'm end up losing outright is just so painful. Um, and then also just fading the Big Ten in general. I mean, I, I really believed in Davidson to the point where I thought they were going to beat Duke. Because I don't think much of the Blue Devils, and I'm I'm hoping that Texas Tech and I have a future on them at 29 to one. They can continue to to roll. Those were my my biggest mistakes, and and where I I I will never bet in the tournament on another Mountain West team ever again, simply out of principle because they <laughs> don't embarrassed say me. that. Yo, no, don't say I, that. It's, it's I I will I mean it at least for the next day or two. Um, That's fair. Who should you, be you, the most good news disappointed? Is you won't have to worry about it until next year. Yeah. So the Mountain West fascinating this year because you know we watched a lot of it i know you're out there you know on the west coast so you got a lot of those games in your prime window but i, I think every expert agreed that those teams were undervalued based on where their metrics were and so it, the tournament can be fluky at, at times i'm uh, i'm sad because i did pick a lot of mountain west teams san diego state was the one that really crushed my soul early yep. on but i i'm i'm not fully off with that conference because i just think they play such a unique style that I think when they do next year, I'm confident that they'll win a game. I'm confident, but uh, we'll see. You mentioned Houston. I think they have been the most impressive team through two games. I thought UAB yeah. played a hell of a game, and they just couldn't climb under 10 points because Houston was that relentless. I mean, the way Houston played in that game, that game could have been 35, and I was that impressed with UAB as well. Um, and then Houston goes and, and dominates Illinois in the second round. So I think we're in agreement there. That Houston-Arizona matchup is the one I'm looking forward to most in the Sweet 16. Uh, of the teams that have been bounced, who, who should be most disappointed and embarrassed with, with how they performed? Ooh, good question. I'll take Tennessee um, while you marinate on it. because yeah. I, And I'm also bitter because I had a future on Tennessee, but the way they melted down the stretch and the inability to execute offensively and, and letting Michigan end up winning that game comfortably, that is a really bad look for the Volunteers. But where, because yeah. I, I thought they were, in my mind, they had a chance to make a run. Like, I don't know, Auburn, I just didn't think was that good. So, yeah, I mean, getting embarrassed by Miami is a bad look, but I think they didn't yeah. think they were that good to begin with. Um, and you look at Baylor, North Carolina is a damn good team. They follow it back from 25 down. They were dealing with some injuries. For me, I, I go back to Tennessee. I'm just curious where you're at with, with that one. I think Tennessee was a little more predictable. Like I was on Michigan in that game. That was probably one of my better wins of the weekend was Damn Michigan money line. And, and made me feel straight stupid. Up. I know. Well, he, the thing is it's Rick Barnes. Like that's, that's and I think coaching in, in my opinion, the coaching aspect matters more in the second game of the two. So you get the Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday, in my opinion, coaching matters more in the Saturday, Sunday matchups because it's a short turnaround and you don't have a lot of time to prepare. So the better coach teams will be better prepared. Michigan was more prepared, I think, for Tennessee than, than Tennessee was for Michigan. I, and especially because Michigan was, again, the Devontae Jones situation. I mean, goodness gracious, that kid can't catch a break. I don't know if he walked under a ladder or, 
you know, saw a black cat, you know, run across the, the, uh, the, you know, the stage before he, before he stepped onto the floor. I mean, he, he couldn't catch a break getting hurt in the first five minutes after suffering that fluke concussion. But I, I think Tennessee wasn't really, I don't want to say they weren't up for that game, but you could tell Michigan was, was running better sets. And, 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 I, and another team that I give a lot of credit to, um, maybe that I wasn't disappointed by, but I think I give a lot of credit to is Notre Dame. Um, not a lot of people were very high on Notre Dame heading into this tournament and they pulled off a couple of really nice wins. They smoked Bama the other day, held a good Bama offense to 64 and they were a stone's throw away from beating Texas Tech. Um, I, I, I'll be honest. I was dead wrong about the ACC. I thought Duke was down. I thought UNC was down. I thought Notre Dame was down and, and all of those teams really proved me wrong. I was glad that I was able to um, at least catch a little bit with Notre Dame um, last night. I, I did take the seven and a half, but I, I think when you look at the ACC, it, it just shows that there's a lot of good coaches in that conference and there's a lot of good players. And I think when we get to this point in the tournament, you know, some of the, again, those conference narratives, because they've been playing each other for two months and it's really hard to judge how they're going to play against the other conferences when they get the chance. I think the ACC proved that there's there's always been good players and good coaches in that conference. This was just a down year for them. Call it flu, call it rankings, whatever you want to call it. But when they get a chance to perform on the big stage, the brightest lights, they, they do tend to step up. Uh, our matchups in the Sweet 16 are Gonzaga and Arkansas, Texas Tech and Duke, North Carolina, UCLA, Purdue, St. Peter's, Iowa State, and Miami, Kansas and Providence, Michigan and Villanova, and Arizona and Houston. Jerry, before I let you go, we've got to talk about St. Peter's because I'm curious... Uh, how surprised you are if of course you didn't pick them to to beat Kentucky and you no. might not have picked them to beat Murray State but like how surprising is this when we when we compare it to Cinderella teams from years ago whether it was Loyola who I think should be embarrassed themselves speaking of teams that should be embarrassed 15 oh, yeah, to 56 there you go. Are that's you one we missed me? that what was an really bad joke. um yeah that was bad but Oral Roberts last week this St. Peter's team is fearless. And you look at the confidence of Shaheen yeah. Holloway and it starts with their coach and it's very evident that that persona trickles down to the rest of the roster. But this isn't a team that scored the basketball well during the season. We know they defend, we know they're tough, which I think has helped them avoid the big runs from their opponent, which is what we see in these games where mid-majors hang around, Davidson, Colgate, Vermont, all of them kind of in that mix of, you know, they're hanging around, they're hanging around, and then there's a quick 8-0 run and all of a sudden this game's over. They've avoided that. They avoided that against Kentucky, and they dominated Murray State pretty much wire to wire. How surprised are you by this team, and what do you make of the Peacocks of St. Peter's? I don't know if you knew this, but I live in Jersey City, so it's been an exciting week um, for Jersey City. Stand up. Peacocks represent. Um, it's always fun. You know, college basketball here in New York City is not a big deal. Like, I know St. John's and, you know, Seton Hall have had runs in the past, and Iona's had a a few flirtations, but for the most part, this is a pro sports town. So when a college team that for the most part, I would say of all the college basketball teams in this metropolitan region, besides maybe LIU, um, you know, probably the smallest of all of them. Um, if you go to that gym and you check out that gym, the run baby run center, um, incredible name for, uh, or whatever that I think I thought that's what, isn't that what the name of the gym is called? It's like some like weird name. It's know. like a high school gym. I learned this so weekend that it, it was even in St. Peter's. So, or in, uh, in uh, Jersey. So 
Jersey City, stand up. So I can't yeah. even. So I, I had to drive to New York to bet. I did bet St. Peter's plus 18 and a half against Kentucky. I did not obviously pick them on the money line, did not pick them in my bracket. But when I looked at their roster, when I looked at their makeup, their, you know, the guts of the team, I mean, I usually, so my, my strategy for picking winners or going against the number in the tournament is if you're outside the top 100 in Ken Palm's adjusted defense, I'm not going to pick you probably as a favorite. And I'm definitely not going to pick you to advance very deep. When I looked at St. Peter's, I was shocked when I was capping that Kentucky game. I was like, wow, St. Peter's a top 40 defensive efficiency team. Um, that is not something that you expect from a team from the Mac, the Metro Atlantic, uh, not the, you know, not the mid American that we love to play with Maction so much. But when you look at what they are, they are a team that does fit the profile. Now, offensively, they're going to have a night where they run into a team that shoots threes well and, and, you know, they're going to get beat. I don't think they're going to make the final four. Um, Purdue might be the, the, you know, the final nail in the coffin because of just how big and athletic they are up front. But I, I have been so impressed. I think Shaheen Holloway to Seton Hall, you should give that man that head coaching job now. And I, I, I think they're a team that when we look back on this tournament in 20 or 30 years, they will be one of those teams that live that lives on in tournament lore, you know, like a Florida Gulf Coast, the 15, the Oral Roberts of last year, you know, a team that's able to reach up and grab some of these high major squads and show them that there's really good basketball being played in other really smaller conferences and smaller gyms in this country. And that's the beauty of the NCAA tournament, Joe. That's what we don't get in college football. You will never get a St. Peter's type of run in college football. It's just, it's not possible the way that the format is. So that's the beauty of this tournament. And sadly, I think it will end this week, but it's been a hell of a run. Yeah. I mean, a team that ranks 263rd in effective field goal percentage shooting well (laughs) above uh, their I mean, maybe not well above their capacity, but well above what they've done throughout the season. They're making free throws despite being a sub 70% free throw shooting team. It's been very impressive. And again, that game against Purdue should be a lot of fun here in the Sweet 16. Uh, Jared, before we let you go, uh, any tickets placed already? Yeah, I got two units on Tech. Texas Tech minus one. Um, I think that probably stays around there. Maybe it goes to one and a half. Early action, heavy on Duke as a public. Duke and UNC will be heavy heavy public underdogs this week. So I would steer clear of those. The other one I bet that's moved a ton is Miami. And the reason I love this Miami team, Joe, is they don't turn it over. Like never, like they do not turn the ball over. And in March, that matters a lot because we see these possessions and you're like, Hey, this team needs to get up a good shot and they fumble it and pass it into the stands. And Miami doesn't do that. And they're very well coached. So Texas Tech, Miami, early bets. And I think we wait for Houston. I think we're going to get a better number on Houston later in the week because I think Arizona is going to be bet up as well. I love it. He is Jared Smith, lead betting analyst for PickWise, number one home for free sports betting picks. Follow him on Twitter at Jared Lee Smith. Jared, my guy, I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on the show. Your insight analysis means a ton. You're the best. Good stuff, brother. Good stuff there from Jared. He is, again, one of my favorites in this space. Someone who is just, obviously, that guy knows everything about everything um, and loved the Intel. Hopefully that helps you in terms of tickets you might want to put in for the sweet 16. I love that he's on Texas tech. I need Texas tech. I've already lost one future. I can't lose another. So Texas tech, I want that 29 to one natty future to live on to the elite eight. Um, Let's move on. It's got some free money before we get to our winning pick and get out of here. Um, All users on WinBet can receive a $10 free bet. That whether they win, lose, or push a $20 four-leg hoops parlay between Monday and Thursday, go to winbet.com or download the WinBet app. 
for official rules and details. And today's secret word is peacock for the St. Peter's Peacocks in the Sweet 16. The Cinderella slipper fits so far. They face Purdue uh, coming up this weekend in the Sweet 16. Uh, Send the word peacock to WinBet's Twitter DMs. Include your WinBet username and email and the word Peacock for a $25 free bet. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's finish things up with my winning pick of the show. It's been a tough month for your boy. And when times are tough, you've got to go back to what's tried and true. And that's the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders. They are laying four and a half against Boston U in the College Basketball Invitational. And if you are just learning that that's a thing, that's okay because I just learned that that's a thing. I didn't know that was a real tournament. I thought it was the college, uh, the NCAA tournament and the NIT. And then that's it. And that's not the case. So our Blue Raiders are still playing basketball, which means we bet on them. We lay the four and a half. Ken Palm projects this to be a 10-point margin of victory in Middle Tennessee's favor. Boston ranks 290th in overall defensive efficiency, where Middle Tennessee State's offense ranks 130th. Uh, Boston also ranks 216th in two-point field goal percentage allowed. Uh, Middle Tennessee State's offense ranks 84th in that category. Give me the Blue Raiders. We're going to get off the losing schneid and get a winning pick here on this Monday. That's going to do it for us here on Bet to Win. If you want to take these couple days off from betting, I get it because the sweats continue starting on Thursday. We will be back Wednesday to preview the Sweet 16 in the third round of the March Madness Tournament with more headlines. Till then, enjoy your next couple of days. We'll see you next time right here on Bet to Win.